Welcome to the Infra Insider podcast from InfraB, a leader in renewable energy and infrastructure executive search. Join us as we dive into insightful conversations with industry leaders, pioneers, and visionaries shaping the future of infrastructure and renewable energy. Discover the latest trends, innovations, and challenges driving the transition to a greener, more resilient future. Please remember to like and subscribe. Welcome to episode eight of the Infra Insider, leading the charge in EV startups. Today, we're joined by the CEO of one of the largest electric vehicle charge point operators in the UK, a company called BEV, focused on local communities and funded by Octopus Energy Generation. BEV runs a major public charging network, creating bespoke, design-led and fully funded EV charging solutions. I'm very excited about having the discussion today with, with Asif as we look at his journey from corporate to startup, discuss his unique employee-owned organisation and explore the ever-changing landscape of EV charging. Asif Kafoor is, is very well known uh, across the infrastructure investment space. He previously spent over a decade leading a very successful team at Amy, uh, and this is where I actually uh, had the pleasure of getting to know him. Um, but having watched his career over the years, I'm very excited about having this conversation today. And um, Asif, without further ado, uh, welcome to the Infra Insider. It's a pleasure. Well, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to come along and have a chat. No, it's great. And 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 off screen, off screen. I have to say this: the first thing I always ask anyone in EV is, "What car do you drive? What's your EV car?" And and and, and ask if what car do you drive? I actually don't drive a car. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, I can drive. To be fair, I don't want it to be known in the market that I can't drive. I can drive. Uh, I'm not so sure I'm the best driver on the planet. Um, but I can drive, but I actually, uh, I do, I travel on trains loads because trains and buses and walking and all, and bicycles, I cycle a lot because uh, I want to try and get my work done. There's peace, there's no, you can't get a signal on the British Rail Network, which is fantastic. You can't, you can't do, you can't, but you can in your Tesla uh, and your other EV vehicle. Uh, no, listen, I, you know what? I, I think if you ask many people about my driving capabilities, uh, they'll all say that I should be getting uh, public transport and, and walking, uh, <laughs> but we won't get into that. I am, though, I have to say, I am a fan um, of EV and I'm the proud owner of an EV car. Congratulations. Um, so so, so I'm, I'm fully behind the cause uh, and love it. And, and, and of course, you know, um, lots and lots of discussion around increasing the charging network. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's hugely important. Asif, you know, you're obviously well known across the world of infrastructure investment and um, having spent, you know, I think over a decade, maybe 14 years, your LinkedIn profile said at Amy. Before we get into the the, the, the nuances of, of EV, etc., you know, we obviously are recruiters and we're so interested in people and their careers and their journey. And I think you've had a, a very exciting career and um, moving from a large corporate to a startup. I mean, that, that's a tremendous change. It, it, it's mind boggling. Talk us through the journey 
Um, and actually, you know, what are the pressures of moving from from a large organisation uh, into into the startup and being the CEO? Well, the um, I kind of if I go all the way back to the beginning of um, working, I actually started my career as a banker and uh, in aircraft finance and um, and kind of evolved all the way through in my career. But you're right, I worked 14 years in Amy. But actually, if you look at some of the characteristics of what I was doing in Amy, a lot of that was actually looking at um, ways we can win work, uh, ways we can build new business uh, divisions and sectors Mm. and then try and get those embedded and so on. So the core skills required around that of building new teams, getting people excited about new parts of the business, new businesses themselves and so on are very similar. Um, the big difference, of course, is in a corporate, you've got the big cuddly arms or sometimes strangling arms, depending on which way you look at it, uh, of a large corporate in your own business. You're out there on your own. Yeah. And, uh, and if someone had said to me, oh, when you turn 50, do you think you'll be running your own business? Um, and I can't underestimate the amount of work and hours uh, you well, have someone, to someone, someone said when you turn 50, so you'll let us know in a few years. <laughs> uh, now use good cream that's really the, the answer to that but um but no turn 50 and then you kind of like and then it is it is pretty into so there's all some of the core skills required yeah i remember when we've gone out to uh, market and raise finance we're still operating in the same pool uh, yeah. maybe at a different scale and uh, and all the leverage of all all the relationships which have, we've had pre have had previously in the sector, you know, people yeah. have. I won't underestimate how much help we've had from people offering from free services, payers when you've got some money to free office space to free. You know, people just said people got quite excited by it. But in a large corporate, uh, no matter how good the corporate is, it's like moving the oil tanker, especially in these new sectors. And yeah. uh, and that's why I kind of thought it's going to be a lot easier to build this out and build this platform on yeah. a, on our own. And so when I grabbed my business partner, Adrian, and off we went um, to try and develop this, um, genuinely, it was a journey of the unknown. And we're kind of probably still in the journey of the unknown because there's so much more potential here as well. I mean, you've done amazingly. Um, you know, we, 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 you know, you can see that looking at the figures and, and looking at, you know, what you've achieved. Um, tell us more about Adrian. Um, how did you two come together? Who, who, who was the catalyst? Well, he actually, he, I, we got to know each other in Amy and um, he was on a graduate programme in Amy and I oh, nabbed wow. him. Um, uh, he's a maths graduate uh, and he was working on a highways contract and I thought, what's he doing there? So I nabbed him. I got banned from that a graduate program for life as a result of that. <laughs> so um, that was the downside. But then Adrian and I worked together. He had he made one he made one big mistake in his life. He left me in uh, oh, 2016 to go and work for Sky because, oh, as as he said, oh my passion is uh, winning <laughs> deals and sport. I was like, I thought that was your passion, but anyway. He kind of left me, but then when I thought about this project and building out this um, business, 
and uh and we've been friends for so long that's like adrian why don't we try and do this together and uh, we complement each other really well uh from a personality perspective and he basically um so adrian field and gray basically joined we joined together and off we went and and we agreed we split it all 50 50 which is the right way to do it that is the right way to do it and you know what it's an even more amazing story that he joined as a graduate um, and you obviously saw the potential in him you know from very very early on so I think you know that just makes a wonderful uh, a wonderful partnership um, we'll, we'll excuse him for, for, for leaving for a short time to, to go to Sky uh, you know now, now he's obviously back I think the other interesting thing is is when I, when, when I talk to people um, in your position who, who are building new platforms um, something that, that, that comes up is, is that lots of them do have backgrounds in, in banking or finance. Um, that is that that is clearly very important, and um, especially with a high growth business like this, whereby you're obviously having to raise raise finance. Um, I think we'll talk a bit a bit, a bit more about this later on. But I think something that I wanted to pick up on, which is very new though. Um, and it's very, very clever. And it's something that I don't fully understand, but I think the listeners will actually want to understand it. We're seeing, we are starting to see people follow this course. And it is, of course, that the BEV is, is now, uh, or is an employee-owned company. And um, it, 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 it very much so kind of fits into your kind of personality um, and the way that you obviously run business and the way that I know of you and have perceived in the market. But look, I, I love the concept. Why did you do it and how does it work? So we, uh, Adrian's a good example of the way I've always thought about people in my team. So uh, anyone who's ever worked for me has probably come out the other end thinking, what just happened to me? Uh, what a whirlwind <laughs> that was. And I've never probably worked that hard in my life. Um, but at the moment, they may not have massively thought, oh, you know, I probably want to strangle Asif. But actually, at the end of it, they have genuinely. I've had a number of people come back to me and say, I've, I've actually grown as a person. Yeah. Uh, if I take that concept into a new business environment, it was massively important to both of us that um, when we grow this business, we are going to we are going to work very hard. People are going to mm -hmm. be there 24 seven. And unlike in a large organization, one day you're going to be in cleaning the fridge out and, and emptying the dishwasher and the other day negotiating uh, a great transaction with a client. And uh, and it, that equality uh, mm. is important. And now if you carry that equality all the way, I believe it's mm. incorrect that if we gain uh, as a result of all that hard work that the employees don't see the benefits of that. So I am asking for more than just a nine to five job of my team. Yeah, I'm asking not just from the hours, less the hours more the passion and the way they think about it yeah but in return for that we want them to be um owners and we want people to believe their owners in that so it's not massively complicated we looked at loads of different structures we spoke yeah. to people like netflix about yeah. how they manage their hr so yeah. we went from more went from trendy hre type management yeah. teams all the way to traditionals and we decided that actually let's just do something really basic and just say to everyone, this business, we want you to be invested in this business and we want you to be successful. And if we are successful, we want you to all gain. And that is a different way of approaching it, a different culture around it as well. 
Look, I, I think it's I think it's great because, like you say, you know, it, it, it's not about the hours they're putting. It, it's more about you know that passion, uh, that enthusiasm, uh, and, and you know, you obviously get that from feeling part of of an organisation. So, what better way to to offer people a share in that? Um, now that that that's and and how many staff have you got in the organisation now? What have you no, grown to? The infamous number. So we're currently just sub thirty full time. Yeah. And- we have a very outsourced model, so that's at the core nucleus. We then have another 20, 30 people who work part-time yeah. in different roles, providing support. But we, we they get invited to, they're treated like internal people, so they get invited to yeah. all the internal activities and the training and so on. And then we have an outsourced model sitting around that. But uh, this was never going to be... Uh, 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 200 people insourced model activity for me this was you get you try and get the brightest and the cleverest uh, people out there uh, surround yourself with all the gaps of your knowledge which you don't really have and try and build a machine which everyone's learning of everyone else um, and remember fundamentally we, we, we have come from an infrastructure background yes. this is a this is a, a, a business to consumer b2c business Mm-hmm. We're selling to you and me as a customer who's mm-hmm. charging their car. The yeah. infrastructure needs to be there. And that mindset and the way you think about it is is different. So what's your what's your approach to growth? How are you going to, you know, what, what what's your unique offering as we look to grow out the, the EV charging network? So we um, we originally started off very regionally focused. So we said we're not going to, we won the contract from, uh, with Transport for Greater Manchester, become their partner, work with the uh, local authorities, and then work out from there. Once you've got your proposition right and it's working, let's try and work with other regions. Mm -hmm. And so we've developed it on a regional basis um, as we've kind of grown out. But from an end consumer perspective, you know, we've spent a huge amount of time focused around developing a community focused business. Mm -hmm. Because for me, the big thing, what we, the big mistake we made in when we built all that infrastructure is we kind of forced it on the communities. So yeah. everyone was really angry and really upset. I was like, can we do it in a way where we actually take the community with us and they want us there and they're asking yeah. for it and they're building this? So how do you do that? How do you bring the community with you? So we have a membership program. So okay. you as a driver, it's open access network. You can pay yeah. as a touch and go, yeah. but you become a member, you get a reduced tariff. You get invited to member events where you come in and tell us, this is how I think you should build mm-hmm. this network. This bit isn't working very well. We do surveys with them, we engage with them. And then you basically really try and be part of that community. So we started in the Northwest. We tried where possible to only employ local, uh, to create yeah. this ecosystem. I said to the team, it's a bit like the cotton trade in Manchester when it started with that one factory and ended up with that massive um, oh. service and with the sub-services and so on. We could be that We could be that nucleus in the EV um, new mobility space in, um, in the Northwest. And then that kind of becomes the UK's export to the world as they all transport that out. That element of community working with the local universities for us for effectively a startup small business we could have ignored all of that because it's it's it could be yeah. a hassle, hassle but we've tried to where possible really engage 
and get involved and be part of that community. What I didn't want to do was sponsor the local football team shirt. So I was just like, yeah, oh, that's not community. That's just paying lip service. Yeah. No, it, it sounds like obviously, you know, what you are doing is is, is having a real impact as well. And I'm assuming that you, I mean, do, do you collaborate with, with local suppliers as well? Yeah, so we, we're, again, where possible, we have tried to work with um, local businesses, local suppliers, uh, local properties. But as that market's kind of developed, for us, locals slowly become the UK to a large yeah. extent, because I see this as a as an as a role where we're we're in different pockets in the northeast. We have a small team working away in the Midlands and South Wales. So what we haven't done is traditional models are here's your head office and everyone's in head office. Our model we've got teams scattered around working in those yeah. local communities because they know the people and they're creating the opportunities there. A brief interruption. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Infra Insider. Uh, aside from this podcast, Infra B are actually a leader in renewable energy and executive search globally. We're passionate about what we do and we believe our unique search methodology ensures that our clients find the top 1% of professionals every time. We even have a dedicated desk focused on the EV market headed up by Nathan Harewood. If you are looking to recruit across EV or across the infrastructure and renewable energy market, we'd love to hear from you. Please get in contact via the website. Thanks for your time and back to the podcaster. I mean, we've got a long way to go. The market's massive. You know, it's absolutely huge, isn't it? And and and, and even now, you know, you can you can sort of feel the frustrations um, of, 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 of what, what do they call it? You know, um, when um, I, the, the word's gone from my mind. But range uh, anxiety. There you go. That was it. Range anxiety. I was getting anxious about trying to find the word. Range anxiety. I blocked it out of my mind because I get that range anxiety myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're going on a long trip. You've got the kids in the back and, you you know, suddenly, uh, you know, the air conditioning goes on, the heated seat goes on. You think, bugger, um, where 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 are ASIF's charge points? Um, but but, but, but but we have got a long way to go. So with that, you know, you, you, you've, you've targeted the Northwest um, and, and you've done it in a beautiful way. Um, but of course, it, it sounds like you're going to have to sort of, you know, excuse the pun, put the foot down on the accelerator now. Where, where's the growth going to come from next? What, what does the next sort of 24 months look like for BEV? Yeah, so we've got live charges in the northwest. We've also got quite a lot of charges going in the northeast, Midlands, South Wales. Uh, we already have assets in North Wales and um, Central Belt, Scotland. So there's already activity mm. which is being produced and assets going in. But I'll come out, you know, you can, we can sing the praises of BEV, which I'm more than happy. We can't solve this problem on our own. We will yeah. never have enough capital. And so therefore having a good ecosystem of charge point operators out there offering different products and different ranges of services means that those, uh, you know, those who are lucky to have a driveway, you mm -hmm. know, possibly have home charging. Those who don't, there's a different solution for that. And, um, you know, we became part of the industry body as well, Charge UK, one of the, became one of the founding members of that. For me, that's quite, that's important uh, because as a body, we should be working towards making the UK uh, a leading uh, place where actually you can get charging. Uh, 
you know, something as yeah, simple no, as that. A- a- absolutely. And, and, and that's, I wanted to touch upon, you know, the, the challenges around this. And um, actually, I think, uh, you know, a big challenge that you just you just touched on then is people without driveways. Now, some of our other clients that we recruit for, and we're not going to mention their names because today is about BEV, they they offer that solution, uh, like a, a lamppost charging system or whatever it might be. And actually that is pretty, well, I'm confident in saying that it's predominantly in London. Um, outside of London, it doesn't really exist. Um, that's obviously one of the challenges. But what what for you as a business, and, and I suppose for other businesses, are, are are the challenges around sort of building out the, this network? The um, the classic examples people will always say is uh, access to land. So people opening up their either retail parks or finding right land in right place. I remember we're competing in the land space with property developers and retail developers and so on. But power, power is going to power is a big issue today. And just our a quite antiquated UK network system of being able to get access to the power. And you know, the thing which has always shocks me is from the first conversation we have with the site owner to getting a site mm. live takes us up to 18 months to two years. Wow. Okay, that's and a that time. is a long delay of not being able to get the land, they're not being in the power, then the power uh, application expires, you have to put in mm-hmm. another one, then the land people, the property people make it massively complicated yeah. for a few days. But then the other the other real factor which is holding things back, and actually we've seen, we've seen some distortion in the public sector space because the government rightly came along and said we're going to provide some funding into local authorities. Uh, but the net, so that was a right policy. The net impact is the local authorities, as we saw in the when we did PFIs and PPPs many moons ago, yeah. don't have the skill set to be able to transact. They don't know what they're, they're as confused as everyone else. So net result is the local authority, you go and speak to a local authority and say, there's no charges, you've got loads of car parks, open them up. The answer is, oh, I've been given a bit of capital, which will touch the edge of one car park. Or, or lampposts. Um, so therefore, we're not going to do anything until we spend that capital, which means they end up doing nothing, which means no access to land. So, you know, if you wanted to break this down and say, you know, how do you get things moving? Um, the government funding is is actually having a perverse effect of stopping things happening. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's interesting, actually. We were fortunate enough to work with Zook. Um, it must be three, four years ago now. Um, uh, when they won, uh, when they won that funding, um, which was a which was a wonderful win, and, and on the back of that, they've built out some fantastic businesses, um, and that that kind of just leads me on to, and, and coming on the back of what you said, funding is is clearly you know a big part of the problem, um, you know there's a big big hole here, uh, and there's not enough money to fill it. However, um, you guys obviously have uh, a great funding partnership with Octopus Energy Generation. Um, can you tell us more about that? How, how does that collaboration work? Well, when we went out to get funding, I said to the team, we worked with EY actually at that time to go and get the funding. And I said to them, what we need isn't just money. Yeah, we need capital. 
But mm-hmm. actually, we're in a new market. We need somebody who's got a strong brand and um, and actually are quite disruptive in the way they approach their markets and think about things because that expertise wrapped around an organization like us at our, at our size and scale will have a massive impact and the team at uh, octopus energy generation they you know they've they've been very you know they've kind of the capital support's been there and that's been amazing but also you know they are they bring the, that kind of expertise and think about because fundamentally you can raise funding, but what we're really driving to, going back to that mm. customer experience, is utilization. How do you get yeah. people to charge at your charging stations uh, consistently? And uh, so you get, you know, so we when we picked, when we when we went out and looked for support as a partner, we were looking for a proper partner, not just capital. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, which is unusual because you know normally in these infra jo- infra deals, yeah, it's absolutely, just, it's just money, isn't it? But absolutely. we're in a nascent market, which is different and new, and we're learning through that. And uh, and you know fundamentally, we buy our power from Octopus Energy as well, and they work with us on seeing what what are more efficient ways of approaching that. There's many more yeah. tentacles to that octopus. There are are tentacles. In fact, I only just literally, uh, we've just been helping uh, a startup, not an EV, it's uh, a renewable energy development business. Uh, They just landed in the UK and now they're at a point uh, whereby they need to bring a company car scheme in. Um, and, and they actually asked me, you know, who 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 can you uh, who can you recommend? And actually, Octopus do uh, yep. a, an amazing scheme, don't they? It's uh, you know, it, it takes the worry out of everything, um, even to the point if someone decides after sort of six, six months and leaves, uh, they can come out of the lease. Um, yep. Yeah, no, it speaks. I can understand um, why Octopus is a great partner, and it, and it sounds like um, you know that, that you'll you'll grow together. Um, as time goes on, do, do you do, do you see do you see your kind of strategy changing in any way, um, or or do you feel like you have to change it in any way in terms of the way you're rolling these things out? I love that question. Sorry. Uh, so since 2021, we've rewritten the business plan probably 12 to 13 times. <laughs> Um, because yeah. this market, the whatever you can, whatever you plan to do, you're learning. Ma- mm. This is a massive learning exercise. So we kind of set ourselves targets and plans. Mm. We've now gone into a world where we've got longer term objectives set, but we're running sprints yeah. because this is this strategy can't be it cannot be static. You know, because if we're really listening to the members and the community and the way people use the charges and and learning, you've got early adopters today who are you're an early adopter. You're a keeny. I'll give you the label of keeny there as an EV driver. Yeah, I don't just I don't don't just have range anxiety. I'm now a (laughs) keeny. It's a positive. (laughs) The, 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 okay, the second one's a positive at least. Uh, so you're a keenie, whereas mass market isn't going to behave like that. So our strategy, we're listening, we're learning, we're getting collecting data and data points is massively important. The mm-hmm. more data points we're getting, the more we're then re-looking at what we're doing and going. And I said to the team, we have 100% got to have a culture in this business that we will fail and we have got to basically fail fast and move rather than sit there and spend hours pointing fingers who, you know, have every decision I've made, was it all correct? No, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, but am I am I embracing my decisions? Yes, because 
that that with that level of knowledge I understood what I was doing and we would keep on moving you have to make the mistakes that's what you know we genuinely learn from them and you know you always hope that you'll never make another mistake but unfortunately they they do continue to happen and you know you only get better (laughs) yeah but you find in some organization cultures the mistake becomes the fear factor of never revealing it and you carry on you carry on on a particular path because you don't want to tell people it's anything because you know it's wrong we've been stopping some things very very quickly and going this isn't working unless you switch to and then and relook at the approach and so on but the north star hasn't changed in all of this the north yeah. star of building that customer community-led um, brand with the level of service which i want to be able to achieve i'm nowhere near there yet i'm kind of maybe beating myself with many sticks and <laughs> sticking pins at myself uh, as part of this yeah. process but i i you know, passionately get quite excited about i want to yeah. get to that north star listen it, it's, it's wonderfully refreshing I could probably talk to you all day, actually, and, and I'm, I'm looking and thinking, and I know that time is limited for you, the CEO of a very, very busy startup. Uh, so I'm not going to be so selfish as to keep you for much longer, but I do want to end uh, with, with, one, with one sort of, you know, one final question. There might be another one. Let's see. Depends, <laughs> <laughs> Depends how enjoyable your answer is. But as a CEO of BEV, how do you see the future of electric vehicle usage evolving uh, especially uh, across the local communities that you serve the um the big thing which is going to drive this market and we know we had the rishi announcement on 2030s now 2035 the fact is motor manufacturers have to hit percentage targets each year mm. of mm. new vehicle sales and we as a nation we wear our cars yeah we kind of want to have the nice new shiny um car out there and the new polestar three is coming out in the summer um so you, you wait for that uh because you don't want the polestar two even though the polestar two was amazing yeah, and so, so up, driver uptake the biggest barrier to entry in this market today for me is confusion mm-hmm. yeah so you've got an environment where the language of kilowatts and fast rapid ultra rapids and slows and lampposts and all of this kind of stuff everybody is confused and mm. everyone and so we need to as a industry and as a business need to try and make this a lot lot more simpler i go we've been i did some observational um study with our members uh where i was supposed that weirdo standing in the corner i was watching what they were doing and uh, people what, when, are, they, what, when they what, what when they come come up to the car and look at the charge, charge. Point, where do I yeah. where do I pay where does yeah, it go and yeah. your natural reaction is grab the bloody cable and try and stick it in yeah. you know uh, that was men women were more reading stuff and spending a bit more time reviewing it some drivers some drivers read it and drove off and thought this is too complicated so I'm like okay we need to be learning from that and actually making the instructions a lot simpler and the language a lot simpler i was with one of my colleagues and a customer came over and said what are these two cables on the rapids oh that's chadamo ccs and she went what are you talking about and i was like exactly and it's confusing so uh we need to we are gonna not make help this market develop if we make it complicated it's just got to be easy peasy as easy as petrol and diesel uh, yeah. you know, uh, and nothing more complicated. 
there's already so many more options as well when you come to choose uh you know an electric car as well um which is great and and, and the range is, is is increasing not not too much that we'll never need charging stations that's for sure and uh, the range is increasing yeah please do don't do not make <laughs> a, a self-charging battery <laughs> but who knows that could happen that could happen in in, in 10 long years way. if it does a long long way away yeah once we've built the <laughs> To build the infrastructure. Gosh, that would there. Uh, that would be a nervy moment. Wouldn't it? I don't think the car manufacturers could could let it happen. Um, but I'm sure some clever uh, clever person will, will will maybe come up with it. But but, but unlikely. Uh, we still have to charge our other devices that yeah, require absolutely. electricity. Yeah. Um. As if it, it's been a you know it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, really, really enjoyed uh, speaking with you. I think it's a conversation that I'd like to, to pick up again. Um, but, but thank you so much for, for spending the time with us today to, to talk about the challenges um, of EV charging, to talk us about your journey um, at, at BEV. Uh, I just love the fact that your business partner, you'd started as, 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 as a graduate in your team. Um, I think there's a big, big big message there really uh, isn't there that you can grow and, and, and evolve and actually and I say it so so often it, it's, it's not not so much about the organization you work for uh, it's the boss or, or, or the manager that you have um, and, and unfortunately not all of us are lucky to have great managers but but clearly you know you've been that person um, but yeah no an inspiring journey and, and as always your energy uh, enthusiasm is, is quite simply very very refreshing. All right, well, thank you all. Thank you for letting me share the story. And uh, and I quite enjoyed this afternoon, a kind of a nice break from um, no, it's li- li- looking at car it's parks. A <laughs> it's a pleasure. And you must send me the link to that gilet. Um, I, I'm going to get it for my next show. It's lovely. Um, but no, thank you. Thank you so much. Enjoy, enjoy, um, enjoy the rest of your time. I'm sure it's been a busy start to the year. Uh, and by the way, thank you for being our first guest uh in in 2024 i think this one will be hard to beat uh but i hope everyone uh enjoys enjoys uh, uh, listening and um, after you know um you're obviously you know uh, as a business uh you know uh, across the northwest and other regions that you've discussed on 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 the uh, the podcast if you are listening in, um, you know, it may well be that, that you can get in touch with us if if you're looking for, you know, uh, charging solutions. What, what kind of, what's, what's your, what would you say your sort of perfect um, sort of customer would be? To be honest, in this space, we spend a lot of time with the, with people who don't know whether they think their site's right or not and working yeah. with them. So send us your sites. We'll look at them. We'll look across the whole of the country. Uh, we're not doing Northern Ireland, but everywhere else in the in uh, Great Britain, we'll look at and we and we will be very honest and say why it works, why it doesn't work, and and so on. Help you develop your strategy so you can actually be yeah. part of this ESG journey. So to anyone listening, if you get in touch with me, um, and I'll, I'll put uh, Asis details uh, on on the Spotify link. Uh, and the YouTube link. I, I promised it was going to be my last question. That is it. I, I promise. <laughs> okay. Um, Asif, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Wishing you uh, a very healthy uh, and successful um, year ahead. Thank you very much, Daniel.